You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live. Next, featuring intimate and in-depth interviews with Black Hollywood's next edition of Stars and Influencers. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, next. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Black Hollywood Live Next, where we always talk to the up-and-coming hottest actors and actresses and entertainers right here in Hollywood, and today's no exception. It's me, Megan Thomas. You can catch me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Meg Scoop, and we have a new host. Who are you, pretty lady? Hello, guys. I'm Courtney Tezano. You guys can keep in touch with me at Tezno's on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, and you can always follow us on Black Hollywood Live online. That's all, all of our hashtags, excuse me, all of our handles on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at BHL Online and make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. It's really easy. There's a ton of shows that Black Hollywood Live has and we want you to see those as well. If you have any questions for our guest today or if you just want to talk to us, make sure you use the hashtag (laughs) BHL Next because we want to hear from you. And today... We have a beautiful actress, honey. You've seen her on FX Justified. She's been on there since the beginning, honey. She's beautiful. She's smart. She's talented. And she will pull that gun out on you in a heartbeat. (laughs) Give it up for Erica Tazzle. Yes. You You be wielding that gun on Justified. And the baton, too. I'm pretty handy with the baton. All right, now. Did you really have to learn how to use it? I did. Because at first I looked like a girl with both. (laughs) So I had to call in the forces, and they got me really. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Have you hurt yourself with those before? No. Ironically Good. Well, enough, miraculously, I have not. But you don't want to mess with me. Oh yes. Oh. Well, we're gonna talk all about that because I need to know about you being on the show, honey. But let's talk about um, some stuff going on in the world. Mm-hmm. First up is casting. There is gonna be a new ATL movie. ATL Two is coming out oh. soon. Yes, and we found out because Ti shot this uh, picture. He put this picture up on his Instagram page, and he said ATL. Two coming soon, and I was like, "Shut up!" Wow. All right, oh. no, come on <laughs> back with your hoop earrings okay. and everything. I'm so excited. Did you like the first ATL? I did. I did. Yeah, I had a lot of friends in that movie. Did you? And I went to Spelman, so it was very ah. So close you knew. So you knew about cascades and roller skating there. Just you knew where the. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the movie. I I was like, you know what? That, I think that inspired me to move to Atlanta. <laughs> it really did. It did. I was, it was like an epidemic. With, uh, <laughs> right, right, there was a mass exodus there for a while. Right, right. Everyone was coming to Atlanta. I was like, what's up with the traffic? What happened right. to the pine trees? Oh, right. wait, what happened to the pine trees? <laughs> they had to bulldoze yeah, on honey, to make we, way for We yep. had to have somewhere to put all the people that were coming. Right. So, and you know what's funny? When I saw that movie, I actually was like, I'm going to go to Cascades because mm-hmm. it's like jumping and everybody is roller skating and I went there Megan, I want to see you do it was like all those 10 people exactly. there and I can't even skate I was like uh-uh. <laughs> it was so down. sad I really had this vision the but. illusion of the movie yes yes, yes. So of course um, that will be coming out soon and, and the original characters are still in it so that's Jason Weaver yes. and London. Albert Dent yes. yes well I don't know if she's going to be they haven't confirmed it yet I okay. think she is but I don't they think have they have to have new news they have to mm-hmm. it's not it's not ATL without her unless you have a new girl no 
It has to be Nunu. It has to be Nunu? Yeah. Okay. All right, all right. Yeah. And the twins. Yeah, the twins. Yeah, the twins. twins. Got a little side <laughs> Right, right, right. Jackie Long's in there, too, and it's still directed by Chris Robinson, so right. make sure you stay tuned for that. Yes. And so what do we have going on in music? All Courtney? right. So Jay Hud and Iggy have pretty much put their vocals together for a new video called Trouble. Okay. And we have a clip. Can we play that for us? One second. (laughs) (laughs) While we pull that up, well, our producer pulls that up. Um, Let's talk about that. Iggy Azalea and Jennifer Hudson. It's an interesting uh, combo. That is. But for me, I think uh, we saw a different style from Iggy, and, you know, Jennifer brought the vocals. She was real powerful with it. Okay, because I'm excited to see this then, because I I don't know about Iggy. I don't know about Iggy. You're in that camp. I'm in that camp, yeah. You'll be surprised. This is a good one, though. And then the first time we saw this uh, actually was on Iggy's page where uh, Jennifer Hudson is handcuffing her. And everybody's like, what the heck? Oh, I think I saw that photo. I didn't know what it was attached to. And then later Mm -hmm. I heard about the song. I was like, "Mm, yes. So Trouble is a good one. And we found out that they're going to be performing it at the Kids' Choice Awards this year. So that's coming up later in March. Nice. So that'll be exciting. Well, that's around the corner. I know. Right. Gosh, yeah. Okay, so well, it's kid friendly. We'll see. We'll let you guys think. Yeah, hold on one more second. <laughs> it's all right. It's all good. <laughs> you know what? Let's skip that. Don't worry about it. We'll play it. We'll play it. We'll talk about another story. Yeah, and we'll play that. Um, let's talk about the next big thing. Now, there was something that happened on Facebook this past Ooh, week. The dress, honey. Dress Gate was like all, had Twitter and Facebook all ablaze. Right. I was like, what is, I don't get it. So I looked at this dress and I'm like, why is this gold and white dress so huge? Wait, what do you gold, guys see when you see this? I saw blue and black instantly. What about you? The first time for me it was blue and black and then later I came to it I was like, oh, it's white and gold. Right. And no. then I went back and I was like, it's blue and black, so I don't know. And we Do you up, still yeah. see black and I still and see blue, blue and I black. I see black and blue right I now. I still see that. What's wrong with my eyes? I think there are uh, different versions of this photo. And honestly, I think the saturation is just off. And that's why some of us are seeing white I'm and seeing gold. blue and black. I'm are you, blue you guys black. are seeing blue and black right now when you yes. look at this? Right now. I'm like trying to like squint my eyes and everything. I'm still seeing white and gold. And every time I see this picture, I see white white and gold. Crazy. And it makes you and, feel silly. Like, right. why can't I see what you see? And so then, when I when I saw people's comments, they're like, no, the dress is blue and black. I was like, you guys are color blind. <laughs> and then I was like, and then, and then they said that um, this picture was actually taken by a 21-year-old girl in Scotland maybe like five or six years ago. And she just happened to post a picture up. And she was like, no, the dress is black and blue. And I was mm. like, well, was it me? Do I have cataracts or right, something? Right. Like, what's going on? So then I found this other picture that actually shows the dress the in it. No. So mm-hmm. now here's the picture uh, that is actually blue. And I was like, oh. Uh, you know, you I at- see in the middle, I see hints of gold. I see what you see a little, but I just think it's the saturation. Right, right bad under light. the big band. Right, right here. Yeah, exactly. All of you are colorblind. No. That's all I got to say. Obviously, if you <laughs> same dress. I think somebody is. is tricking us. So. Somebody is. I'm, I'm telling you, I think the dress is white and gold and somebody put these two next to each other like, hmm, and now I'm over here like messed up. Like, I'm oh. thinking I got like glaucoma or something. So seriously, right now you see white and gold. <laughs> On the left, yes. And, and the blue and black one, I can see yeah, it's... I see blue and black. I have to say. On both of them? So both of them look the same color to you? No, the, that one looks like a lighter blue, like a baby blue and black, as opposed to a navy. What is wrong with my eyes? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Even the jacket that that's draped, it's 
looks a little baby bluish really? to me. It's just me then. No, so I, I read the reason why this happens, and it's because um, when you have background light, and some scientists are saying that depending on how your brain filters colors mm. will determine what you see. I see. Hmm. So I was like, I what does that I thought that was some scientific explanation right. that I missed because after a while I was like, I'm tired of the drip. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm tired of the But you know, someone, the Salvation Army actually got really smart. They actually put out an ad campaign uh, for domestic violence mm. and they had the model in a white and gold dress okay. and, but she had bruises that were black and blue. So ah. they went off of that. It was such a powerful ad. You wow. have to go see it. That's yes. such a good one. So I thought that was great marketing, great message. Right. Mm-hmm. And we can settle this little debate. <laughs> dress is white. Get on with it. <laughs> now let's go ahead and listen to that song by Iggy Azalea and Jennifer Hudson. Should have never got involved in the first place. The second place never get the recognition. Mm. See what he doing to me, make me have to shout it out. Gotta hold on me, that's without a doubt. So clear now that he's a trouble starter, but I ain't the same neither. And he's ain't no still water. Okay, I love this. That's the best looking copy you've seen in a long yes. time. Yes. <laughs> that face okay, is Okay, I love this. Okay, do you, I, see, do you I hear see. the funky beat they have going with it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I might like Iggy a little bit now. See, and, and she sounds different than she does in some of her other tracks. So I thought it was good to see them combine and do a little funky track. Right. This is this is a cute song. Okay, I guess I give I give it two thumbs up. Definitely, That's cute. you like what it, do you Erica? Think about it, Erica? That's cute, and I love seeing this this new incarnation of Jennifer. Like, right? You can tell that she's like, you know what? I'm fly. I'm feeling this. Mm-hmm. Right. The short hair, the beat face. Yes, and she has the vocals to match. And Very she's powerful. Still a, a singer, right? Way. You know, I used to always be like, I only like big Jennifer when she got little, and mm-hmm. now I'm like, no. I like her. Like, she's still the same. Yeah. She's still amazing. It her was an adjustment, but she's, you know, hey, if right. she's healthy, she feels exactly. good, and she's fly to herself, that's all you know, we can ask. Right. right. She loves herself, mm-hmm. and we can tell, so that's right. really all that matters. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's start talking about you, Erica, yes, and ma'am. what's going on in your world. Yes. So let's start from early childhood. Yes. How were you as a child? <laughs> and what were your stereotypes in school? Were you, like, a nerd? Were you, uh, you know, the popular girl? I was... All of the above, actually. So not being on top of my work, not being bringing home like good grades wasn't an option. So technically I was a nerd. But in order to not get bullied, I figured out, you know, ways to be the cool kid um, and made, you know, studying and being smart fly. How and did you do that? I don't know, but it was something that I did do because Harley and May were not having... <laughs> First name, <laughs> right? Anything less than that, and then you know, I was sort of like everyone's little sister. So that that's the most popular part. So I was actually a little bit of both. After third grade, like I was awkward and weird before that, and then <laughs> I sort of found my footing, and you know, here well, I good. Am. Yeah. Okay. So tell us what Dallas was like. You're from Dallas, specifically Oak Cliff. Yes. And how did you transition from uh, Dallas to going to New York and pursuing your acting career? I had a stop before New York. I went to um, Spelman College in Atlanta, which, you know, I have to admit that I knew nothing about. Um, I had a, 
I went to a performing arts high school that had some people that you may know, like Erica Badu and yes. Nora Jones and Roy Hargrove and Edie Brickell. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a teacher who always rocked Spelman gear. And I was like, what's Spelman? And she's like, oh, honey, <laughs> let me come and school you. Right. And because I adored her because she was amazing because she, you know, helped me locate my voice and, you know, my certain specific views on the world. It's like, I want to go to Spelman. Right. So I went to like a prospective students weekend and it's, you know, you walk on campus or any, you know, whether it's you trying to buy a house or going to a school, I walked through this, the Spelman gates and I was like, this is it. Yeah, this, this is, is where I'm now. coming. <laughs> and it was the only school I applied to. I really wanted to go to Howard and my mother shut that. She shut that down. Wait, Why did she shut it down? Because she went the one time she left Texas. <laughs> They just she, say, she I know. went to a conference in um, D.C. and stopped by the school for a visit, and she wasn't happy about the neighborhood. Well, as you go to visit HBCUs, you know right. that they all are have a little bit of a hood quality around them. Right. Right. I mean, Spelman, the, all the Atlanta University centers kind of. I mean, it's gentrified now, yeah, but yeah. back then, <laughs> you better walk in groups. So. Right. So anyways, yeah, I was I went to Spelman actually as a biology pre-med major with, mm-hmm. you know, hopes of being a physical therapist or OBGYN and somehow ended up, you know, going to a theater and dance show my sophomore year and had that same feeling of when I initially walked in the gates of Spelman. When I walked into that theater, it was it felt like a homecoming. Right. So. I don't remember what that show was about because I spent the next two hours like, what am I supposed to do? What did your parents say? Yeah, because they wanted a doctor out of this deal. Right, right. Yes. So were they supportive I, or shocked when well, you changed majors? They were in the dark. Okay. So I lied by omission. <laughs> <laughs> what I did is the next day I went to visit the chair of the theater department. I was like, I think I'm supposed to be here with you. But my parents think they're getting a doctor out of this deal and, you know, we're paying for this. So I need some cash. And she's, she had a cigarette in one hand and a Granny Smith apple in the other. And she was like, well, it looks like you've come to your cro- your first crossroads as an artist. You'll either choose stability or you'll go the way of your heart. So I secretly got the theater curriculum, infused theater with math and calculus and chemistry and biology so as not to raise any flares when the report card came in. Oh, right. God. Wait, so you let your parents see your report card? Yes. Oh. Because on in the registrar's office, they I was still I was still registered as a biology pre med major, uh, okay. and then I justified no pun intended the classes <laughs> that I took because Spelman's a liberal arts college, and they never questioned it. So I sort of took advantage of the fact that my parents didn't go to college, they didn't ask any questions, and I just had a healthy dose of both. Mm-hmm. So then my junior year, I guess the next question is okay. Well, what am I going to do with a theater degree? I don't know anyone in New York. I don't know anyone in L.A. Right. So the same professor with the cigarette and the, the Granny Smith apple, she plopped down three um, applications for graduate school programs, and I didn't have any money. This is all still happening in secret. Oh, man. So NYU looked like the, the school for me. I, sure, I made sure my audition was in New York so I could feel the school. I got off the elevator at 721 Broadway on the fifth floor, and it was the same feeling. Oh, uh-huh. I was like, this is where I'm coming. Young, dumb, and stupid. Didn't know that 3,000 people were auditioning for 18 slots and that there were only three full scholarships. But I was like, I'm going here on a full scholarship. Mm-hmm. You better put that out so, in the universe. <laughs> yes. yes. I still wish I had some of that. <laughs> Speak some stuff into existence. Right. 
But anyways, um, I ended up getting accepted, ended up getting the money around March of my graduating year. And we had a tradition where we spoke every Sunday. I was like, okay, this is the Sunday I'm going to tell them. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. (laughs) So maybe about six to eight weeks before I graduated, I had to make that call and said, so there's going to be two groups of people at the graduation, Bachelor of Science and Bachelor of Arts. And they're like, yes, you're getting a Bachelor of Science. (laughs) I was like, well. Actually, I'm getting a Bachelor of Arts in theater. Silence, silence, silence. And in three months, I'm moving to New York to go to graduate school for acting. Mm -mm. Silence, silence, silence. And then the next voice is my dad. And I can't say what he said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I I packed my bags and went to New York, which is much more unknown than Atlanta. And fortunately for me, I entered the business where there was a, a cycle of work for me. And so it was really nice to call two weeks before I graduated to say, hey, guys, I got my first job. And yeah. I'm going to get my equity card and I'm going to have insurance. And <laughs> right. So it's covered. You just need to support me, basically. <laughs> right. So, you know, you had people who encouraged you along the way. Was yeah. there anyone who discouraged you when you said, I want to be an actress? Um, no, actually. If I, if I had to pick a piece of discouragement and it's really stretching it at least maybe that's my perspective on it now um the chair of my department in graduate school my third year there was a lot of talk about you know there's erica off stage and there's erica on stage and they're two very different people and so you know there was a lot of conversation with me about marrying those two personalities because i would never be able to walk in a room and be myself and get a job right so and then there was also the part B of that was I would never be a leading lady. And obviously, at least in my theater work, that's all I that's all I got. And mm-hmm. I remember getting a particular role that took me to um, the RSC in England when I got that role. And that person who said it got it, just the look of shock on her face. Like, right. you're playing who? Oh. And what production? I was like, yeah, that's, I'm doing that. <laughs> Smile sweetly. I'm going to be at the Royal Shakespeare Company. Thank you. Um, So, but that's a stretch. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, the way that I heard it was, you know, if you tell me no, then I'm going to go straight towards that. Right. And in some aspect, that's like sort of my inner competitor. Yeah. Um, So that would be it. I mean, there wasn't really outside of my own voice in my own head about, you know, those in those momentary moments of doubt and insecurity. Okay, so you you seem very persistent. You obviously persevered. Mm-hmm. Who did you look up to growing up? Who was your role model? Oh my goodness, we were there were a lot of reruns that happened in my house. So there was a show. I don't know when it actually really aired, but it was called I'll Fly Away. And for me, Regina Taylor yes. was one of the first people, women that looked like me. I remember that yeah. show. And so she, for sure, um, sort of. Before I was conscious that I wanted to be an actor, I was already studying her. So I would say her, and then obviously the cast of A Different World. <laughs> okay, yes, we can all relate to that. <laughs> Who's your favorite character on that show? Oh, it bounced around. I mean, who doesn't love Denise? You right. know, that was when they first came on, and then after that, it was Freddie. It was a tie between Freddie and um, Lena. Okay. You like Whitley, didn't you? Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> I wanted to be with me. I know, but I want 
have to be like, there. That's what you look like when you go to class. Right. Yeah. Fabulous, yeah. right? It's like, I'm not even that fabulous <laughs> in real life. <laughs> so since, how'd you make the transition from doing a lot of theater mm-hmm. in New York into film and television? Yeah, um... There was a big movement a few years ago where where Hollywood was coming to Broadway, and that's still you know on the dream my on my on my dream list. And there was two productions happening within like six months of each other that were straight plays. They weren't musical for those of us who couldn't sing. We were like, somebody's going to Broadway. <laughs> so the first one happened, and you know there's all the rounds you go through, and it's the last two women, and we're sitting there. It's like, okay, it's going to be one of us, and then two movie stars walked in and you're just deflated in that moment because you know Mm. it's going to be one of them and that happened and then fast forward it six months a different a different opportunity the same exact situation happened and it was just heartbreaking and so I remember standing with a girlfriend in my Times Square and I said I'm moving to LA and she's like that's ridiculous Mm. and she's (laughs) crying and I'm crying because she was up for the second one and I had come to meet her and I was like, look at all of the posters on the subway. What do they have in common? She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so we run back up to the street, and I was like, what do all the marquees have in common? I was like, there's a name or a face that we recognize. Hollywood is coming to Broadway, so I'm going to go there, and hopefully I can make a name and face for myself, and I can come back here and do a Broadway play. Mm-hmm. She's like, that's crazy. I was like, yeah, well, that's what I'm going to do. So I sat on it for a year. In six, I started planning, and I was like, in six months, if I still want to go, I'll go. And then at the end of that six months, I still wanted to go. So I sold everything, flew to Texas, bought a car, and hit, what is that, I guess, I-10? Yes, <laughs> 10 straight shot. I-10, wow. 24 hours. Yes, my <laughs> Wow, what did your, what'd your family say? Um, again, they thought I was crazy, because now <laughs> there was the third city that I was moving to where we didn't have family, and... You know, the bedroom is still there. It's like, you know, you can come home. Oh, right. Always See, that's that. always good parents. So I was like, <laughs> you can come back here. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have a master's degree. You can teach, you know. And um, they were okay. I mean, I think at that point they were like, this is our child. This is what she's going to do. We can't tell her no. We can't, you know. She's sort of, even in my own imp- impracticality, there's a practicality that's there. So they, you know, they went with it and... Right. There have been a lot of prayers that have backed me. All right, <laughs> oh, see. And, and prayer works because you, since 2010, have been on the same show. Yes. Which is really unheard of for a lot of actors and yeah. actresses in this business. You've been so blessed and fortunate yeah. to still be on FX's hit series, Justified, yes. Yes. as the U.S. Marshal Rachel Brooks. Yes. When you first read that script, what do you think about it? Um, in the pilot script, I think Rachel had five lines. And there was one line that said we had gone to see someone who had just killed her abusive husband and we were questioning her and blah, blah, blah. And in the pilot, I go to speak to her and I'm reporting back to the bosses saying, you know, I told her if he ever laid a hand on her again, she should cut off his man beans Mm. with a tiling knife. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, who calls it man beans? <laughs> and with a tiling knife. And it all, my curiosity about her at that point became, like, it went from zero to a thousand. I was like, cut off a man beans with a tiling knife? <laughs> I like that sister. So, you know, and it was a huge departure from what I had been doing. You know, I was, thankfully, um, had many great roles as, like, the ingenue or the damsel in distress. But this woman, I called her my first adult job. She had a, she had a job. She was an adult. She had a job. She was in a position of power. 
So all of that really attracted me to her. So when I auditioned, it was just, you know, another opportunity to do good material. And, you know, I had no expectations. And mm-hmm. I showed up to the first audition and everyone that was there was older than me. And I was like, well, if they make her a rookie, I'll have a shot at this. But while I'm here, I'm going to go in that room and make a fan. And then I'm going to go back to my office job. And then I got the call back and then all the the various stages after that and then when the offer came um, my boss, I was working for a securities company at the time and he was, you know, we were prepping for this big board meeting and my agent called and she was like Tazzle <laughs> we have an offer for you and I was like, for what? you know, and she's like, justified and I was like, really? and I was like, okay, so you know, my boss's board members just walked in, I cannot respond can you please just jump and scream for me right now until I can get to a bathroom stall so, wonderful so that was, yeah, that was six years ago, unbelievably and, you know, we wrapped we wrapped it all up about a week and a half ago how did that feel? Did did you cry? I did, and on the day of I was okay or the days leading up to it, but we ended in the marshal's office and there's something that happens in the finale that sort of complimented it being my last day and the two of the other marshals. And I mean, literally five minutes before you hear it. And that's a wrap on Erica Tazel, Jacob Pitts, Nick Searcy. There was just this huge inhale. I looked over at Nick who plays our boss and he's like snotting and crying. And Aww. I was just like, <gasps> you know, and it was just downhill from there. Just the big old ugly cry happening in front of the 200-member group. <laughs> but it was sweet and right. um, very heartfelt and an opportunity to say thank you to so many people um, that have meant so much to me and will continue to mean quite a bit to me. That's wonderful. Yeah. What, what was the hardest thing about doing that role? I would say it was actually the set life. It was a very, very, very male-heavy show in front of the camera and behind the camera. Diversity people, hire women, hire people (laughs) of color. It's the thing to do right now. It's it's the thing to do all the time. (laughs) Um, So I would say, you know, as a tomboy, that even got a little, I'm like, can we get some women up in here? So I lived in the makeup and hair trailer where the women were, and then we had a great woman Ursula Johnson, who was our projection coordinator. So anytime we were at the stages, I was up under her all the time. Right. So, but that would probably, I mean, and that's stretching it. It was a great crew. It was a wonderful experience. And I'm not just saying that because we're on camera, but I couldn't have asked for a more lovely experience my first time out as a series regular. Right. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. And you know what? I really like that show. Mm-hmm. And I like it especially because it's uh, set in Kentucky, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm originally from Kentucky. So nice. when I saw it, when I first, when I saw the first episode, I, I was looking around like, is that real? Mm-hmm. Are they really in Kentucky? Like, where are they at? And then right. I was like, oh, coal mining country. It's like, yeah. ain't no black people over there. <laughs> <laughs> they got, they got Rachel Brooks here. She knows she's not supposed to be there. No, yeah. I'm just playing. But uh, did you guys ever have to like go to Kentucky or was this just a set in in Hollywood, our our writers did. We okay. had um, a wonderful writer, um, season two, named Wendy Calhoun, who is now executive producer of Empire. Mm-hmm. She said, "You know, I have to go to this place that we're writing, especially Harlan, because you don't want to, yeah. you know, perpetuate stereotypes or just get it all wrong. Even, you know, is is it possible to drive to this town in forty five minutes, or is it really three and a half hours away?" So she, you know, went on her own and sort of did the maiden voyage. And after every year after that, the the writers made it a point to go down there. And they're 
rumor has it they're trying to coordinate a trip for us to watch the season finale with a group of good folks down there. So we'll see if that be nice. if that works out. Yeah. Because I, I will say, when I watched it, I, I it, to me, it seemed like it was very authentic. That's mm-hmm. why I couldn't tell if you guys were shooting there in Kentucky or shooting here in L.A. Well, we shot the pilot in, we were in Pittsburgh, but there are all these little towns on the outside, which is why the, the pilot is so beautifully hilly and green. Right. <laughs> you could kind of see the Santa Clarita Mountains after that, <laughs> um, but they do um, a really great job of, you know trying to have the bluegrass. <laughs> well, it, it looks authentic, so yeah. good job there. That's good, yay. Yes, so you, you've been on a ton of shows, like The uh, the Office, mm-hmm. ER, um, Law & Order, and so many so many more shows. Uh, for you, what has been your favorite role outside of Rachel Brooks? Oh, I would... On camera? Yes. Um, I would say I did a guest lead on Without a Trace, and when I did that play that I spoke about that went to the Royal Shakespeare Company, one of our cast members, Harry Lennox, who's on the blacklist, I'm just dropping names. You go ahead. Um, <laughs> phenomenal he actor. Was, yeah. he, he's a phenomenal actor, wonderful person. He um, knew Marianne Jean-Baptiste, and I loved her from the moment I'd seen her in Secrets and Lies. And he was. we had one off day. We were going to take a train to... London to see her and I was like can I crash the party please I want to meet her (laughs) so she was pregnant I think at the time with her first baby and I just fell in love with how real she was how soulful she was she and her husband I mean we sat around and drank wine whatever so when she got the pilot that was I was visiting LA to see um, if I wanted to live here and had visited Harry and was like, guess who's in town? Marianne's in town, do you think? So anyways, fast forward, I'd gotten an audition for the show to play like a track runner, but none of the scenes were with her, and I didn't blow the audition, but I was like, I really want to be on the show with Marianne. (laughs) So I didn't get that part, but then a year later, that role came up, and I spent most of the episode with her, and Eric Close, who was one of the series regulars, it was his first directing um, opportunity on that show and we gelled together and it was they were amazing they really just kind of handed their set over to me I didn't feel like a guest and yeah I have I have footage with the Academy Award winning or nominated Marianne Jean piece I know they were all looking at you though honey (laughs) they were staring at you in that footage Um, so you've done off Broadway you've done TV you've got a film coming you've done everything what do you what would you say out of all of these types of performances what is your favorite To be on film, to be doing TV, or to be on a stage? It's really tough. I mean, I started in theater, so in my heart, I'll always be a theater kid. And my most complex, dimensional roles have been on stage. However, it's a grind, you know, and having having gotten into television, which is its own grind, you know, with the 14-hour-a-days or whatever... There, there is at least the um, the reward. There is a financial reward for it. I mean, I, re- I remember when I did my first guest star, and I got the check, and I was so confused. I was like, <laughs> it would take me six months, eight shows a week to you oh know, my get gosh, close. Like, no. <laughs> um, so I'm still getting used to being in front of the camera. I still feel like I'm a little camera shy, which is why I wanted to do a series because you know it's you know the same character, and then you have the opportunity hopefully to go in a few times a week if not every day to work that out mm-hmm. so it's hard to say they they offer very 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 different things to me and have you know f- fulfilled me in very different ways but 
the stage will always have a special place. Mm. Of course. Yeah. Who do you want to share the, share the screen or stage with that you haven't already shared? I would love to work with Sophie Okonedo. I would love to work again with Anjanu Ellis, mm-hmm. who's um, doing Book of Negroes right yes. now. Yes. She, she, she was on my very first job. She played my mother, actually. And um, I'd love to work with her again. Harry Lennox was amazing to work with. I love um, Jessica Chastain. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. She's pretty fly to me. So that, that list is so long. Dame Judy, Morgan Freeman. It's long. Long. It, it, it's long. It's <laughs> long. Well, don't worry. You're going to mark them off one <laughs> right. by one. You I'm got sure. that career yeah. going. You're on a roll. Yeah. So you also um, you won an NAACP Theater Award. I did. So tell us about that role, and how did you feel when you actually won and you found out I won? That would be my all-time favorite part. Um, it was a, a woman named Juliet in a play called I Have Before Me, a remarkable document given me given to me by a young lady from Rwanda. That is the full title. <laughs> <laughs> was there a, a, a nickname for that, a shortened version of that? Or no? Girl from Rwanda. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't get it to acronym no, yet. Right. No, exactly. Because that was, what, like in 07. Mm-hmm. So we were right on the cusp of, you know, TGITs or whatever it is now. But anyways... I had gotten that script when I first moved to L.A., and there was a theater in Kentucky, I think. Kentucky or Missouri that was doing the world premiere. And, I, you know, they sent me the play, and I was like, oh, my gosh. She doesn't even know that she wrote this part for me, but I couldn't afford to fly back to New York. And it was one of those ones where, you know, you kind of have to, you need to be in the room with the director just because the subject matter is so deep and dark and it's just all this stuff. So I self-taped, but I I wasn't confident that that was going to be enough because I just left New York. I knew everybody that was going in for it and I uh-huh. knew they were going to find her in the city. So I literally put that play in my nightstand. I was like, I'm doing that play at some point. You have to pay for it myself. So then I got word that the Colony Theater over in Burbank was producing the play, and I was like, oh my god, that's the play. <laughs> and they offered me $2 a week, but it was the role of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. So I went in, and it worked out, and I was able to delve into it, and it was, for me, even though I had been working professionally for I think six years at that point, I became an actor on that show. I mean, it was... It was my monster to, you know, my version of Charlize Theron in Monster. It was just that transformational inside and out, spiritually, politically. And um, so when I got nominated, I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, it wasn't, I had no expectations. That's all you did. Yeah, it was. I just, I didn't, I didn't have any expectations. And the two women that, the other two women that were nominated were just ridiculously talented. And I just assumed it was going to go to them. And so, but you are in the dark sitting in that moment. They were like, and the award goes to, and you're like, please be me. (laughs) Like, I just want to know what that feels like. And then, you know, they called my name and I literally just was like a deer in headlights. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I had prepared something, but it kind of went out the door. So I feel like I did some version of it, but (laughs) it was, it's special to have, to even now look at that statuette on my desk at home and say... Thank you. <laughs> what did you say when you won, when you had to go? I and don't explore? remember. It was very emotional. I do remember that. But I I remember um, Andre Royo coming up, t- up to me afterwards. He was Bubs on the wire. Mm-hmm. And 
he said, baby sister, he was like, that was real talk in there. He was like, I don't know you, but I want to work with you one day. <laughs> and I was like, what did I say? And he's like, you put it down, little sister. You put it down. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm sure it was f- filled with lots of gratitude. I'm sure I acknowledged um, all of the Rwandan genocide survivors. And that year they were honoring um, the original dream girls, Loretta Devine, Shirley Ralph, and Jennifer Jennifer Holiday, and there was something Loretta Devine, I, re- I don't remember now, but she said something earlier in the evening that resonated with me. I said something about that that sort of like tied it all together, but you know, I was a. Uh, you were in the moment. I was right. very much in the moment because I have no idea. I have I no know. idea. I always picture myself going, Mama, we made it! <laughs> and that's probably it. <laughs> so you, you're really big on giving back, right? I try, yes. Yes, so I read that you have been a bus coordinator for Get on the Bus, yes. which helps with um, connecting children with their incarcerated parents for Mother's Day and Father's Day. Yes. You've built homes in Haiti. Yeah. Um, you've been a, a performer at Sparrow Village in Africa. Yeah. What What is so important for giving back? Like, why is that something that you need to do? Um, right before I got justified, I was as low as it could go. I mean, I, I couldn't get arrested. I just couldn't get arrested. And I was working 18 jobs. I could not get, make ends meet. And um, the day before I got the audition for Justified, I had just gotten back from Atlanta from a trip with my best friend who was a business manager. I was like, you need to get out of here. I'd gone to Spelman, found out they needed an acting teacher that I was the poster child for. And I was like, uh, I haven't seen a doctor in three years. I haven't done, you know, maybe... I thought I'd come back at 63 after an illustrious career to teach, but maybe it's going to happen now. Anyways, long story, I decided not to send my CV in, and the next day I got the audition. So when I got the job, there was a period, it's weird to explain, but there was a period of time that I was so grateful, but I also felt a little guilty um, because there were other friends that, you know, were on the same hustle and the same grind, whatever. Sparrow Village, I had seen a PSA about maybe four years prior to that, and the woman who runs it, her name is um, Corinne McClintock, and she's like 4'10". At that time, I'm guessing maybe 75. She's a nun, but she wore a Harley jacket. She wore, (laughs) you know, she was a nurse, and she wore a Harley to work every day. I was like, I need to go meet her. (laughs) So in a conversation about wanting to go someone at dinner literally reached in their pocket wrote a check and was like now money is not an option what do you do really so we my best friend and her mother sort of did sort of a what we called a spy trip because my church is one of the biggest donors to that orphanage but we wondered what it would be like if we actually sent people there and um we did a sort of spy trip because <laughs> they wouldn't tell us by email what they needed. We knew we couldn't be there for three, six months at a time. And, you know, we just didn't know how big the place was. Can we bring 50 volunteers? Can we bring five? But anyways, we get there and we figure out what we can do. That was in 2010. That's how I spent my hiatus the first year. And then the next year we took a group of eight back. And then last year, this time, they're probably traveling tomorrow, um, was my third trip. And we partnered with 
Habitat for Humanity. They have a global village in their first year in South Africa was last year. So there's a huge housing complex that will be completed hopefully in about five years. It started off with 35 houses. It's now going to be 3,500. Wow. That's amazing. So we That left. has to be really fulfilling. Yeah. I mean, we... That team was 60. At the end of the week, we had built seven houses. Wow. So I'm on Instagram watching them you know, <laughs> post videos, and I was like, oh, I wish I was there. But I'm here with you guys. So. Yes. So anyways, to answer your question, that's my long-winded way of saying my service is my way of saying thank you. Um, it could, It doesn't have to be me. We don't have to be sitting here on a Friday afternoon having this interview, and if there's any sort of ounce of light that I can give to someone else's kids or someone else's mother sign me up oh I love that I'm gonna hug you it's true it's true so let's talk about some of the projects that you have coming up um you have a movie that's coming out with Columbus Short yes tell us about that yes yeah it's my first movie and um the producers of it were fans of Justified and you know randomly got a call I was actually at a board meeting for Get on the Bus in San Francisco (laughs) And got this call about this script and had like two hours to read it and make a decision because they literally put me on the plane. I was on a plane by that Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's about finding the one. And I play a blogger who's, you know, p- pretty successful and sort of in the way that Mary Jane is where she has all the trappings, right. but she doesn't have her sweetheart. Personal- yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, my best friend in the movie decides to set me up with a guy who's paid to go on dates with people or something. <laughs> but we end up falling for each other and then, you know, the movie ensues. That happens. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Can't give, give us away. more. Yeah. Right. How was it so, being on a movie set versus, you know, you're used to a TV set? Mm-hmm. It was, in many is at least this one, because we had such a small amount of time to do it, I, I didn't get the feeling of, you know, working on some work, making a movie for three months or even a month we had to get in there we had to get out Mm -hmm. so in that way it felt very much like a series because you know money and time were of the essence and i just i just dove head first first. yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then what's like the ideal role you would like to play what type of role i'm still sort of chomping at the bit of doing a period piece on camera i've done it on stage um um, I always, I always hate to say what I've gone in for because it makes me sound weird. I think, but for example, I was up for Twelve Years a Slave, and it, when I, I remember reading it, and I was like, "This has all of that. It's you know this multidimensional character, and she's important to the plot line, and it plays to all of my emotional and vulnerability strengths, and it's a period piece." Um, Forty Two was the same way, mm-hmm. um, Jackie Robinson's wife. Um, so I'm, I still wanna do that I have a couple of things in mind and some people that might be interested so I might be able to fulfill that at some point okay I'll be excited to see yes, that yes, yes. I love the period yes. p- movies mm-hmm. um so are you dating in real life Ooh, mm-hmm. did you just ask I me did that? she just asked me if I was dating is there anyone <laughs> is there any man who can be like that's my boo that's my lady there is a special someone oh. out there who can say that I'm his boo okay yeah okay. what what kind of qualities are important to you um i certainly 
you know, appreciate a man who who loves the women in his life. So mm-hmm. a great relationship with his mother. And my boo has three sisters, and he he knows how to treat a lady. He does, and he's so good to them, and so good to me. Um, loyalty, transparency, sense of humor, and you know that person also having a sense, uh, uh, what I call a global sensibility that it's not just about him. That there mm-hmm. is, you know, when it has to be about us because of what we do, but then we can turn around and flip it and it'd be all about somebody else. Right. How do you balance the, yes. the work and then the relationship and the personal life? Um, this has been, this has been pretty good because justified shot in California. So my question has always been, how do people do this when they have to be in Chicago for nine months or, you know, go to New York for 13 FaceTime. Yeah. FaceTime. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get um, so, you know, that hasn't been, twi- that hasn't been tested yet because I had a decent schedule on Justified. I still was able to have a life. I slept in my own bed at night and mm-hmm. we could still have date nights. Um, you know, but there are times where I have to say, I can't talk to you tonight or can't see you because we're doing this tomorrow or I have to go over here. And, but he's in the business too. So oh, it's good. That he, was my it's, next. it's very celebratory. It's like, go do you, boo. Go do you. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Works at Love and Hollywood. Yes. Work it out. Yes. We can do it, honey. We can do it. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> so where can everybody find you on social media to keep in touch? On Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, I'm Erica Tazzle. T-A-Z-E-L. Tazzle like Dazzle. Like dazzle. I love it. Razzle, love dazzle, it. dazzle. Right. And so what are some uh, um, upcoming pro- projects that you have besides the movie Mr. Right coming out? Um, I don't know if I can talk about this one yet, but I, I am about to do... Um, another independent film that deals with sex trafficking but the the focus is on boys i oh. thought it was an issue that only affected young girls but oh, apparently wow. interesting there's a huge pocket right here in california actually right here what is this over here on sepulveda where you know young very young boys are affected so anyways i'm getting ready to do that and i play um a mother of a kid that's snatched and isn't oh, getting getting much help from the police there's no uh, not a lot of media coverage and i seek out the help of a person this is gonna be good oh <laughs> yeah, see this. Wait, is this a series this or is it a movie it's a movie oh yes yeah. we're gonna go so see this is the second movie yeah so yay i start that in about three weeks well congratulations yeah, yeah. you are staying busy I i'm trying it. i'm trying yeah i love it so is there one thing before we get out of here is there anything that you want to tell your fans about just who you are or is something that's uplifting that has helped you get through your career uplifting you know Harry Lennox, I have to quote him again. He says, Erica, always do good work. Your work will always speak for you. It doesn't always end in a job. It doesn't always end in an um, opportunity. But, you know, anytime you can bring your light into the room, somebody, if it's one person that you touch, then you've done your job for the day. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, I like it. Yeah. We all can live by that. We yeah. definitely can. And where can we find you, Courtney? You guys can keep in touch with me. Tweet me, at me, at Tesno's on Twitter and Instagram. And you can always find me, Megan Thomas, on Facebook, Instagram, and that Twitter at Meg Scoop. <laughs> and make sure you follow us at BHL Online. And you can also check out all of our shows on YouTube, iTunes, and SoundCloud. I got that right this time. I you always did. mess that up. And give us five stars. <laughs> yes, give us five stars and use the hashtag BHL next because we want to hear all of your comments. And don't forget, you can catch Erica every Tuesday on FX Justified. Ooh, it's yes. a great show. Check it out. Until next week, folks, take care. Bye. 
from producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.